First of all, listen, uh, it's interesting about all these young guys today. They never call on us and say, hey, thanks for the kind word and tell me how great a player I am. But when they play like crap and we call them out, they, we don't know what we're talking about. Listen, I'm easy to find, but I get sick of these guys complaining. Uh, these you, young guys, they never call us and say, when a coach is wrong, I'm going to call him out. But when players are wrong, I'm going to call them out. But listen, I'm going to criticize guys that they deserve it. And listen, they can kiss my ass if they don't like it. <laughs>
for the podcast. Um, like I said, I've said a couple episodes now, a few people have requested, can I switch it up a little bit with the whole uh, Charles Barkley thing? And, and I will say this, it is kind of getting a little annoying. So, I'm, I mean, there's going to be a difference. So bear with me on that. So season five will start most likely that Tuesday um, for the podcast. Five seasons. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you know, I didn't think I'd get this far with it, but thank you for the support that you're giving me in the podcast um, as we're gaining, we're moving quite well along. So let's start off with a ugly football game, Sunday night football. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the Cleveland Browns uh, 16-10. I'm not going to even sit here and act like I didn't know this was coming. Well, act like I know this was coming because I did it. Um. The Ravens are eight and three. We have the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, we're first place in the AFC North. How the rate, how we won as a team with Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions is beyond me. Um, I have to give in this regard, the defense, it's respect. They shut down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They only combined for 36 yards on 15 carries. Baker Mayfield, they harassed him the whole game. You know, decision make, the decision-making, the, you know, the pocket collapsing. He still didn't look 100% out there to me. Um, I believe the stat coming into this game I think teams that have thrown four or more interceptions are 0 and 52. The last team that won like that was the 2014 Seattle Seahawks. And the Baltimore Ravens. Relationship with your oh my God. Congratulations. Oh my God. How do you do that? How do you do that? What the hell is going on? Snap that streak. So teams that have thrown four or more interceptions are now one in 52. And that one win is the 2021 Baltimore Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson, I say what you want. I don't think he, he would, I don't think he's granted. He's coming off of an illness. Um, he just looked. He just. He just looked rusty out there. I will say that. Uh, the defense. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, Baltimore. I mean, Cleveland Ranley had only had forty yards, and that's the lowest. Actually, since Kevin Stefanski being the head coach, that's the lowest amount of rushing yards total. Um, they've had Patrick Queen. The adjustment they moved him from to the outside linebacker position has been amazing. Um, you know, I, I know he injured his ribs, but he came back in there and did his thing. Um, the offense has got the offense has got to be better. Um, the, the, the 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 one play where um, Mark Andrews caught up with one hand on the pass interference that was nice, but Lamar was making some very erratic throws. I feel like this is my issue with the with the play calling. 
at times, I think we're too aggressive. But Greg Roman has to make play. He ha- look, they have to make it easy. Sometimes the big play is not going to get the job done. If you just take it one play at a time, like Harbaugh told and, and uh, Lamar at, when they asked him at the halftime, keep it simple. Like, let's not be over-aggressive. A lot of his interceptions, like the one interception he threw where he threw it completely to the defender and Mark Andrews is in, is in, in another direction, who are you throwing it to? I, I just feel like the offense, they have to communicate and they have to, they're not clicking on all cylinders. That offense line, I told you, that, that Lamar Jackson got sacked. Uh, Alejandro Vanueva, I, I don't know. He he <laughs> he threw everything but the kitchen sink at Miles Garrett. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, you know, it, it, this was frustrating. He could not get to Lamar. Um, but when I look at Cleveland, Cleveland had numerous opportunities to win this game. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Good evening. Good to see you. Um, particularly in the first half, they only up in like the first 30 minutes of the game, they only had three points. And both sides just played ugly football. Then Cleveland fumbled the ball twice. And then also, too, that, that David and Joku play, if you look at it from the angle from the back of the end zone, the ball hits the ground. So I don't know what they were looking at, but I thought this was an ugly football game. I really do. Um, I do believe that the Ravens will pick it up next game against Pittsburgh. I got to give Mike Tomlin his respect. Mike Tomlin knows who we are. We know who he is. I've said it before. Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite football coaches. If I wanted to play football, if I needed to start a team, he'd be a coach I'd want. It's just – the, the swagger he has, um, how he carries himself, particularly with what's been going on these last this whole season, then not playing at a at a at a uh, steel at like like the Steelers we know them to be. So I hope we come out stronger than what we did because we gave a really really um, disappointing uh, game, but it was a good victory. Now, we play the Steelers, as I stated. We play them on my birthday. We play them on the 5th of this of next month, December. So that should be a good game. I'm hoping that I it's a it's a great birthday present. So um, I'm going to play a clip with um, at the end. Well, actually, I could play it now. If you can uh, hear, hold on. Can I do it this way? I might not be able to hear it, but hold on. I want to check. Okay, never mind. You can't hear it. All right. So basically, um, I'll play this at the end of the uh, of the podcast. So I apologize for that. 
I thought I could hear it, but you can't. It's it's hard. It's weird how you share. It. I, I would sometimes trying to share um, audio on Streamyard, but let's transition into the Washington Football Team got <laughs> by they a pretty convincing win against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not going to even sit here and act like I didn't know this was coming. Or act like I know this was coming because I did it. Um, let me just say this for the record. Um, Russell, Russell, I love Russell Wilson. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. The divorce between the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson is clearly starting to show. He does not look interested. When you work for a job, and you know there are things that are going on that don't make you happy. You're not gonna you're not gonna have fun at your job. They're not the same team, like offensively and defensively too. Like I'm starting to really think like they're trading for Jamal Adams, trading two first round picks for Jamal Adams. That's not looking like a great investment. Tyler Lockett is a, is can, is going to give you what he can give you. DK Metcalf. Has just been, as just to my, in my personal opinion, has underachieved. Chris Carson's out for the season with a neck injury. That offensive line is putrid. Russell Wilson, like to me, in my personal opinion, should not have been out there against Green Bay, and he's practically carrying this team. They're not going to make the playoffs, and this is what I'm talking about in terms of health. Look at what's around Russell Wilson besides Tyler Lockett, Gerald Everett, DK Metcalf. He has no offensive line. That defense, uh, Pete Carroll is is moving away from the cover three. But come on now, um, it, it just it's it's just not working. And you know, again last night, coming into this game, I'm like, oh, okay, let's see how they're going to look, and. Prove to me that it's a it's a it's a done deal. Um, the defense, I have to give Washington defense Washington's defense credit in this. I know I have been hard on their defense all year uh, because we we were supposed to be the number one ranked defense and we didn't play like it. You know, let's just face reality. Let's just face the truth. But playing against Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and then. Now, Russell Wilson, we look good. Washington, Seattle has no running game. Alex Collins is a great running back, but he, he's not he, – I said in the last video, he's not a guy you expect to carry your team, put the team on his back. Um, they, they, they completely – DK Metcalf was nowhere to be found. Um, Landon Collins had a great forced fumble. Um, they – Took a, they took the deep threat away from Russell Wilson. Um, uh, Taylor Heineke, let's give him some love as well. Um, he looked good out there. You, you know, let, let me say this about Taylor. And I think we have to kind of start being honest. Taylor has been put in has has been put in a unique but awkward situation at the same time. When you have last so going back to last year, because remember he was on the practice squad, 
You know, they had strip club had Dwayne Haskins. Alex Smith, who everybody said needed to retire. Taylor Heineke is not the long-term answer for Washington. But I think you may have to start considering him as your number one option going forward. Hear me out. Because if 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 we decide go after this season, we need to draft a quarterback. He that he's going to need easily two years to do what I because I'm talking about development as rookie year. He he's going to it's a completely different it's a whole transition. Two years to learn the system. Why not with Taylor? Short term, let's get what we can get out of him now. And about another two, three years, okay, let's draft someone. Because I hate for Washington to just say, well, you got us what we needed. Let's go draft this quarterback. Because what if the quarterback that we want doesn't pan out? Then what? Let's go, let's roll with the guy we have right now and take our chances. He's he 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 played a he played a part in us almost beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the in the playoffs last year. Like when you look at last night, offensively it's starting to gel. Now the the, the interception he had didn't you can tell it didn't phase him. Let's also give Anthony Gibson some love, JD McKissick. Let's give him some love. DeAndre Carter, who's a play, who's another playmaker to help Tyler Heine, Taylor Heineck Taylor, I apologize. Help him make plays. Like, because Curtis Samuel, that's another issue. That's another uh, guy I wish that was that was fully healthy. But we don't live in the world of what if. They, when it mattered, made plays. And I'm just I'm looking at Washington when it counts. They're doing what needs to be done. This is the football team, these last three games, ladies and gentlemen, I have been waiting to see and look for. Now, again, we got – I can't have time ahead. I'll look at it, I'll look at it in a minute. Um, hold on. We got – let me look at the schedule. We got Oakland, Las Vegas, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um Seattle, again, they were virtually one-dimensional last night, and that was practically taken away from them. Um, now, we 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 got lucky. Uh, how you how you um, allow him to be that open in the end zone is beyond me. Where he hit Freddie Swain, like, how do you have two safeties back there? Why are we playing cover two? Shouldn't we have three safeties back there? Shouldn't we? We, we should be playing zone. Um, then obviously Kendall Fuller stepped up and he got the interception. Um, they also too, I thought they got they almost had the ball back, but the way that it was called. Um, it's weird when you try to do an onside kick. 
is the how you have to be lined up or something like that. And they almost got it twice. So uh, regardless, I, I, we got to give Washington some love there. They've been playing really great football, um, which brings me to Hendrick, what's good, bro? What's going on? Um, which brings me to I'm actually going to hold I'm actually going to bring that up. I'm going to hold that off for a second. Um, I got to talk about this Thursday. Uh, I don't know why. I meant to say recap. I apologize. The Seattle Seahawks start off week 13 against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so I mean, sorry, the New Orleans Saints. Why? Um, I apologize. Let me fix that. Hold on. The New Orleans Saints. Not the Seahawks. I apologize. The Both teams are coming off uh, heartbreaking. Well, one's coming off a heartbreaking. <laughs> Both are coming off Thanksgiving losses. Let me say that. Uh you know, Dallas right now is seven and four. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, they're five and six. Uh, they're not looking like the same team right now. Without Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, they don't have an identity. And uh, the last time we've seen that, uh, particularly that game where the final score against the Buffalo Bills, where they got, oh, it was embarrassing. Uh, excuse me. Hold on, I do apologize. My alarm, my alarm went off. I apologize. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. Henry, uh, is that a new YouTube channel? By the way, just curious. Um, anywho, uh, as I was saying, the last time we've seen that happen was when they played the Texans many moons ago, and uh, they're now below 500. New Orleans. Um, they're still both teams are in the playoff race. I think the Saints will make the playoffs. Like the way it's looking, I think Michael Thomas has done for the year. Um, which I'm still which I'm still really pissed about because I'm a fan of Michael Thomas. But the way he's handled the whole injury, why would you wait until the summer to get the surgery, but then turn around and when they told you go get the surgery, like as soon as the season's over, but you wait and do it on, on your own time. Um, I think that relationship, my personal opinion, is um, is sailed. But <sighs> a couple things coming into this game. Mike McCarthy will not be participating with them because he tested positive for COVID. Joe Philbin 
who's the assistant offensive line coach, Jeff Blasco, Terrence Steele, all tested positive for COVID. So I'm sending my thoughts and prayers to them. Hope they get well. Um, I think Dallas, they also had, I think they had eight players and like another coach, same situation. They all missed one game. Um, I know the Saints had the same thing back in September. Eight coaches tested positive, had, to, had COVID, and they couldn't, they could be in Carolina. Um, which that was an embarrassing game. The final score was 26 7. With oh children. my God. I actually remember watching that game too. That was pretty bad. Um, so I think in that regard, I think. I think it's Dan Quinn who's going to be in this place as the head coach. Um, I mean, he's a former head coach. He's, what, 43-42 and 42 with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, against Sean Payton, I think he's like 4-6. and six. So should be interesting to see. Uh, Taysom Hill has been getting number start, start – has been getting reps with the, with the first team, which pretty much tells me that the Trevor Simeon – uh, train has derailed. Um, looks like Taysom Hill will be taking the helm. Um, I think it's I think it's been unfair that Trevor Simeon has been getting a lot of the blame. And you know it's 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 amazing to me how the, again the media is so quick to gloss over the fact. And it's not just with the Saints; it's with every team. Like we're glossing over the fact with the Saints that they have. The offensive line has been plagued with injuries, which he's gotten sacked eight times. Okay. Alvin Kamara has been injured and has missed three games. Okay. Ignore that. And then also, too, you don't have Michael Thomas. So who does Trevor Simeon have to rely on? Who does he have to rely on offense, offensively? Marcus Callaway, great player. Uh, Trevon Smith, good player. But – like, I just feel like you can't we, – we cannot ignore those things. Like, it's, it's easy to say if, – if if Kamara and Michael Thomas were all there and Trevor Simeon was just playing like – was not playing the way we expected him to, and you got a point. But if I'm – if I got just Jags, just, just guys, and they're not Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I can only do but so much. Guys got to step up. It's a team game last time I checked. But we'll see how it looks with Taysom Hill. Um, now, I know Taysom Hill has had a foot injury. Uh, we did see him take over some games last year for Drew Brees. Uh, I think he had, like, four touchdowns. He also threw two picks, um, which is interesting. Dallas, they're ranked 27th against the pass. But they do actually, I think they're third in the NFL with 15 interceptions, which has been a big part due to the things of a help of Trevon Diggs. So next, Ezekiel Elliott. Are they going to use – I want to see how he's going to look. I think Tony Pollard may get some more looks. I know Ezekiel Elliott's been dealing with a knee injury since – I want to say it was the fourth week of the season. Um I've noticed that he's not getting touches on the ball. And I think it's primarily, again, due to his injury. Now, when they played the Giants, he had like over 250 yards. 
And I think he had two touchdowns. I believe he had two touchdowns, two touchdowns in that game. But then against New England, he only had, I think he rushed for like 69, 70 yards. And then again, you know, he's not, I, I don't know what it is. I, but again, I kind of look at Kellen Moore a little bit. Like they, they at times, particularly against Kansas City, they're turning into a one, a one-dimensional team passing the ball. Like mix it up. If if Zeke's not a hundred percent, okay, let me get Tony Pollard in there. Let me make some. Let me get some easy runs for Zeke. Not expect him to carry the load. Like the last two games, I think he's just had fifty-seven yards combined, and that's not. Again, I just think they're not utilizing him more. And I think also too, I think. Kellen Moore has got to mix up the playbook a little bit, but I do. I think I'm. I, I do expect Tony Pollard to get some more touches on the ball. Um, so I, Dallas, I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be nice and I'm gonna be fair. They're going to make the playoffs, but they're not a Super Bowl contender to me because they've had three opportunities to show me that. And that kind of showed me the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Now, I still think the Saints can make the wild card. Um, they just got to take it one game at a time, and they got to pick each other up and next man up. Um, if, the se- if the season actually ended today, according to the playoff picture, they would not make the playoffs, the Saints, um, which is sad. But I, I think I think they actually have a tiebreaker with because they beat Tampa. So we'll see how that looks. Excuse me, but I'm gonna pull off an upset here. I think the New Orleans the New Orleans Saints are. Who that nation is going to surprise the Dallas Cowboys 23-17. Guaranteed. And it's the now we're going to transition into the debut segment called the playoff race. Uh, so we are at a point where we got five weeks left, four weeks left of football. Um, and... It's looking <laughs> it's starting to look clear who your who your teams are um, who's not your teams. So let me cue the music for the new segment. Uh, playoffs don't talk about playoffs you kidding me? Playoffs I just hope we can win a game. So let's start with the AFC East. The New England Patriots set first place in the division at eight and four, followed behind Buffalo seven and three. The Miami Dolphins five and seven, and then the New York Jets finish off three and eight. The AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, who are eight and three, the number one seed in the AFC, sit atop of first place eight and three. The Cincinnati Bengals behind them, seven and four. The Cleveland Browns, five hundred to be exact, six and six on the year, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, five and five and one. That one tie, ladies and gentlemen, came at a at a tie against the Detroit Lions. With oh my God! 
I'm not gonna even sit here and act like I didn't know this was coming. Or act like I know this was coming because I did it. The AFC South. We have the Tennessee Titans eight and four. The Indianapolis Colts 500 after a very, very heartbreaking loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then you have the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans combined two and nine. With oh, children. my God. In the AFC West, however, it's looking really interesting. The Kansas City Chiefs are seven and four. The Los Angeles Chargers, Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders are six and five apiece. Not bad. Let's move over to the NFC conference. The Dallas Cowboys sit first place, seven and four. The Washington football team moved to all the year five and six. The Philadelphia Eagles choking against the New York G-Men moved to five and seven on the year. And the New York G-Men, four and seven on the year. Those Green Bay Cheeseheads, aka the Green Bay Packers, are nine and three on the year. The Minnesota Vikings are five and six. The Chicago Bears four and seven, and the top the the finish off the NFC North. The Detroit Lions are zero and ten and one. That one tie, as I stated earlier, uh, they tied uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The NFC South is pretty much looking like a dundata. Um, I still have hope that the New Orleans Saints will make the playoffs, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Mister Dippleton himself, Tom Brady, shot the Miles Dawkins twenty four seven productions. <laughs> Um, eight and three, the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints, five and six, and the Carolina Panthers, five and seven. And to top it off with the NFC West, you have the Arizona Cardinals sitting at the top of the NFC West, looking like by a landslide, nine and two. The Los Angeles Rams, who are looking like uh, a a loss, a lot look like they look lost, need a hand, seven and four. The San Francisco 49ers, six and five. And then the top and finish it at the bottom, the Seattle Seahawks are three and eight. If the playoffs started today, Lord have mercy. Um, huh. Well, it's it's not it's not eat, it's not pretty, but I I still think it I still think it's anybody's race. I do. Um, so obviously Baltimore and Arizona are the number one and number, the number one seeds in both the NFC, AFC and NFC respectively, uh, Green Bay and New England are the number two seeds, Washington and Los Angeles Chargers are the seven seeds, um, Tampa Bay and Tennessee, the number three seeds, Dallas and Kansas City are the number four seeds, Los Angeles Rams and the and Cincinnati Bengals are the fifth seeds. And the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills are the six seeds. Now, if the playoffs started today, the Las Vegas Raiders, Denver Broncos, really, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, five teams. I'm, the, the Miami Dolphins are right there. Um, I, I really think your first three seeds in the AFC are, are a lot. I think Baltimore, New England, and Tennessee are your number, are your first, and those three seeds are a lot. I think five, six, and seven are a toss-up. Now, I think, I, in my personal opinion, I think 
that the Las Vegas Raiders and the Indianapolis Colts can sneak in there and make the playoffs. But because Kansas City's right there at seven and four, both Cincinnati and Kansas City. Actually, Kansas City, Buffalo, all three are seven and four. You've got the Chargers that are the excuse me, the seven seed. So really, the seven seed, it, it's a toss-up. Um Oh, I, I four 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 through seven. It's a toss up. I think it's any. I think it's still anyone's playoff race. Now, in however, in in the NFC, um, that that's a whole different story. Um, if the playoffs started today, the Washington Football Team is the seventh seed going in. Behind them is Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans. Uh, the only thing is, again, your first two seeds are Green Bay and Arizona. They're a lot. Then you got Mr. Dipple Chan and the Buccaneers. Dallas, Los Angeles, those two teams scare me. The way that both teams have been playing lately, they're scaring me. Um the 49ers, shout out to Lucinda Baxter, the, the, the minor 49ers, they they they're kind of looking all right so far. Um now we got a couple of tiebreakers. So Atlanta is one and oh against New Orleans. Washington is five and two, and Minnesota's four and three. Now, Minnesota's ahead of Atlanta, if I remember correctly, is because of uh, their record. Atlanta's two and five, and they're four and three. Minnesota. Carolina, Philadelphia is ahead, is, ahead of, is ahead of Carolina because they're obviously one and oh. And then the Giants, it's kind of funny. The Giants actually are still in it. Um, the Giants and the Bears are tied for four and seven because the Giants' uh, conference record, the Giants are three and five, and the Bears are four and two in their conference, respectively. So um, we're going to continue to follow up, but that is through week. We're now through week 12. We're going into week 13 of the season. And the NFC, I, I ain't going to lie, it's looking really, really mediocre. But um, that's going to conclude this segment. Uh, playoffs? talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs i just hope we can win a game then we're going to transition into the recap of week 12 oh my god um uh so obviously like i stated we had the thanksgiving games uh which were really really interesting to keep up with but um We've got surprises. The Cincinnati Bengals went into Heinz Field. And, uh, hey, Lucinda, good to see you. We just talked about the 49ers. Um, went and, and shellacked the Pittsburgh Steelers a 41 to 10. Um, Cam Newton was benched against the Miami Dolphins. 
Uh, the final score was 33 to 10. I should have started Miles Gaskin in my fantasy football team, but I still won. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles choked against the New York G-Men 13-7. Uh, the Derek Henryless, AJ Brownless <laughs> Tennessee Titans got shellacked by Mac Jones and the New England Patriots 36-13. Uh, Cordero, Pat- Cordero Patterson uh, carried the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> carried the Atlanta Falcons, had two touchdowns. Uh, no, no, it was a well, it was a good win. He get he gave me like thirty something, thirty two points. Yeah, he had two touchdowns uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Final score: Atlanta Falcons twenty one, Jacksonville Jaguars fourteen. Uh, game of the week, I called this. Uh, the Buccaneers defeated. The Indianapolis Colts 38-13 on a Leonard Fournette who had a monster game. Give that man a Gatorade bath. Um, went off. Great game. Really great game. And then we had the New England, I mean, well, excuse me, the New, New York Jets defeated the Houston Texans 24-14. Uh, th- those Denver Broncos uh Defeated the Los Angeles Chargers 28-13. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, again, Chuggle Lucinda Baxter, defeated the Minnesota Vikings 34-26. And obviously the Los Angeles Rams went the Lambeau Field uh, and lost to the show my toe on that, my foot and toe on national television. They should be doing a press conference, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Final score was 36-28. Uh, so <laughs> I did not expect the Giants to win. Uh, I thought the Texans would want would have won. Um, I thought the Chargers would have had some fight. The Rams didn't do too bad offense. Well, offensively they're still trying figuring out, but their defense though, they gotta get together. They just. I, I'm just, I don't, I, I'm kind of having concerns now. But that was week 12 of the NFLs of, of, of the season. We've got five more weeks and then we're done. Uh, we're going right into it. Like I said, we got the Cowboys and the Saints starting off week 13, Thursday night football. Weird, isn't it? Um, so things around the NFL. Um, so Tristan Hill got the appeal, but he will not be so he will not play Thursday. Uh, he was got a two-game suspension for throwing a punch during the game against Oakland. Uh, Urban Meyer said he's not interested in leaving Jacksonville to be going back to college. He wants to focus on building the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I respect, and I will get into that in a little bit. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is out for the season due to an ankle injury. Um, uh, that sucks. Um, which is which is one thing. We're going to really have to have a conversation about these guys. My, my, my fear is, is, is that we're now going into the seat. We're going, we're now getting into the latter part of the season. And you've got, you've got a lot, you, this is a lot of injuries. 
and particularly Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and others. Come playoff time, these guys are going to be mentally and physically exhausted. And when you look, for example, I'm going to use the Bono Ravens, where you have almost 20 injuries. Come playoff time, your, 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 your depth is shrunk. And you're gonna have we're gonna have to have this conversation because these guys they're going to need to get some rest. I, I understand that we that you know we need to recuperate money that was lost during the during the pandemic. The networks networking to make money. I understand that, but at some point, these guys they are going to need to get rest because you got to think about it. The play. 18 weeks, and then on top of that, playoffs, turnaround, OTAs, training camp. That's a lot on your body. And particularly with since, since really since, you know, we kind of, everything's kind of back on track with the scheduling with COVID and stuff. If we don't address this now, it's going to be a problem later. But you're also seeing it, too, because with Christian McCaffrey's injuries, latest example with running backs, they're starting to become – it's starting to become an issue because there's not a lot of running backs out there that you could go, I could go sign this guy, go sign that guy. And it really lets me know that the running back position is very valuable. But the, these injuries, man, it's, it's, it's a lot. Daniel Jones has a neck strain and he's not playing. So Mike Glennon will start in his place against the Miami Dolphins. Um, I believe Rob Gronkowski will uh, break Tony Gonzalez's a record for most record for most 100 yard passing yards um, in a game. Guaranteed. I believe that's the record he's had. I can't remember how many he's how many games he's had where he's had over hundred yards in passing. I think it's like thirty-one game, like 32, 31 games. I want to say that correctly. Tony Gonzalez back in his day was a bad boy. Um, that's uh, I, I, Debo Samuel's out with an injury. Um, I heard Daniel Cully's on. <laughs> The hot seat, but again, like the Houston Texans stink. Um, Dalvin Cook is out with a torn labrum and dislocated shoulder. Uh, he got carted off the field against the 49ers. I, I was praying it wasn't a torn ACL, but I'm glad. Um, it, it sigh of relief, but it's a torn labrum. He'll be off for a hot minute. Fred Warner also, too, was hurt, got hurt, so he will most likely will not play. Uh, against the Seahawks as well. Um, that's pretty much what's going on around the league. Um, we're going to transition into basketball. The Washington Wizards, uh, we played the Spurs. And the final score was 116-99. Uh, this is our 23rd. Loss to Greg Popovich led a led team. Um, fun fact: the last time we beat the Spurs 
was back in 1999. That was when we had Mitch Richmond. I'm still not, uh, let it let it go, Nathan. My God. Um, yeah, anywho. So offensively, from the starters perspective, we look great. All five of all five of our starters, double figures. Bradley Bill had 18 and eight. Um, however, our bench just didn't look right. Martrez Harrell, I think, had eight points in that game. Um, San Antonio shooting the ball. 16 to 24. Derek Wright had 24 points. By one point, we were out. They had us up by 12. And then on top of that, and fast break points, it was like 17, 18 to nothing. Oh, so we're now exactly 500 on our road trip. And that brings me to our next game. We play the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, my gosh. Um, we're at home, obviously. So, you know, obviously, it feels good to be home. Um, okay. So, I feel like coming into this game, we got a couple things. Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns looking like a force to be reckoned with. Um, the key for us is we have to we 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 have to neutralize somebody. We have to take one of them out the game. When I mean neutralize, take away their scoring. We have to play defense. I think it starts with our defense. Um, what I've noticed, particularly on the road, we're 500 on the dot at home. And the one thing I've noticed defensively, we do, we there have been collapses in key moments. Great example was against San Antonio. Um, as a defense, we've given up 72 points and that and against the Spurs. And then in the first, in the second half, I think it was like 71-48. That can't happen against Minnesota. Um, down the stretch, it's going to, it's going to have to, it's going to have to matter. We're going to have to come out again, make some shots, play defense, you know, be aggressive offensively and defensively. Our bench is going to have to step it up, no matter what. Now, uh, again. I, both teams look great. Uh, there's been some Timberwolves were a surprise. I definitely think that being at home will probably give us a little bit of a a breather and kind of look like from a perspective, okay, we'll be all right. Uh, I know coming into this game, I think Carl Anthony's average of like 23 and 9. And then on top of that, he's not looked the offense, he's pretty good. Um, but if we could be aggressive, particularly in the paint, because that's where our, uh, that's where most of our 
our offense has been is inside the paint. And we can get I think we get Carl Anthony at Towns in foul trouble as well. I think that's the key. I do. So I think the Washington Wizards. What the heck? 117, 105. Guaranteed. Uh, let's transition into the NBA news. Uh, LeBron James entered the health and safety protocols. He cannot play for 10 days unless he has two negative tests. Um, Blake Griffin has been moved out of the rotation. Um, I feel like. It's an adjustment. I don't think it's like he can't play anymore. I simply think that he just doesn't fit their style of play. Like, with all due respect, I think that they're trying to really figure, still figure this Brooklyn. Okay, we're back. We're back. I apologize. Okay. So that's what I think. I just think that it's it's nothing personal. I just think that he just does not fit a certain style. I just think this doesn't fit their style of play. I think Blake Griffin, the I looked at the stats. I think he's averaging like six and five. And it's like 31% from the field. And I don't know. I don't think I don't want to go as far as he's saying he's not the same guy, but I, I, I Blake Griffin's one of those what if players for me. I really do. Uh, Enos Cantor changed his name to Enos Cantor Freedom. Uh, he is now a U.S. citizen. Congratulations. Uh, Clay Thompson has been cleared. Um, he actually had the game winning. Shot in uh, their G League practice. Um, according to the reports, he made like the first 18 shots. Uh, Clay Thompson's on a mission. The Golden State Warriors will win the NBA champ championship. Guaranteed. But one of the four teams, current, well, one of the five teams, I should say, in the East will give the Golden State Warriors a hard time. And one of those teams are the Washington Wizards. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let me just let me let me let me stop playing around. 
No, but seriously, um, that's what's going on around the, the league at the moment. Um, DeMarcus Cousins is going to the Bucks on a one-year deal. Uh, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Broncos, Denver Broncos, Denver Nuggets, excuse me, got a win over the Miami Heat. Uh, I want to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers really quick. Um, I think it's a little unfair to have already at this point in the season called for Frank Vogel's job. I get it. I understand that the expectation of him experimenting with the lineups, but you also got to take into account LeBron James has been injured. Other guys have been injured. He hasn't really seen, we have not seen this Laker team at its full potential. Now I question some of the lineups. You can't have Rondo and Westbrook out there starting, but other guys, you, you got to look at the others around around them. Anthony Davis is not of he's not a he's just he's he wants to be out there shooting threes, and it makes no sense to me. I don't understand if I got a five if I got a guy that's six feet and an under guarding me, I'm backing his ass in the paint. I just don't understand. Let's just shoot threes. I just don't get that logic and. Also, too, I just think that you can you can assemble a team of all stars. It's great on paper, but it don't look good. But we'll see how it looks. Um, let's transition into Major League Baseball. The off season, free agency is off to a fire start. Uh, Corey Seager signed a 10-year deal worth $325 million. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Uh, Marcus Simeon signed a seven-year deal worth $175 million with the Texas Rangers. Javier Baez signed a six-year deal worth $140 million. Max Searcher is going to the New York Mets for three years, $130 million. And a surprising move, uh, Robbie Ray <laughs> is going to the Seattle Mariners on a five-year deal worth $115 million. Kevin Gossman is coming back to the ALEs, but it's not with the Baltimore Orioles. It's with the Toronto Blue Jays. Bullshit. Um, on a hundred on a five-year deal worth $110 million. Um Corey Kluber is going to the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays on a one-year deal worth uh, $8 million. Uh, Kirby Yates is going to Atlanta on a two-year deal worth $8.2 million. And the Baltimore Orioles signed Rooney, well, uh, Rule Adore on a one-year deal. With your oh children. my god. Uh listen, I, I like Odor. He's he's a good little second baseman. Um not enough. I need I need some placeholders until these guys are done. Michael Elias, please give me some place hope some actual placeholders. Thank you very much. Um what else is going on? It looks like Kendall Graveman's going to Chicago with the White Sox for $24 million. He's going to get $8 million a year for the next three years. Mark Cannon is going to New York 
with the Mets, $26.5 million on a two-year deal. Um, Anthony DeCostofany is staying in San Francisco on a three-year deal worth $36 million. Uh, Verlander staying in Houston on a, on a two-year deal worth $50 million. Uh, Avisel Garcia is going to Miami on a four-year deal, $53 million. John Gray is going to Texas. <laughs> Four-year deal worth $56 million. And so when are we gonna say something about it? I'm just, you know what? I'm gonna walk away. I'll be right back because I'm scared I'm gonna say something that might get me in trouble. Cause I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I hate free agency. I really do. You know what's funny? Like, I'm looking at some of these guys right now. Like, the Orioles, I mean, like, the Orioles can make some moves. They, they can sign, like, a maybe like a Garrett Richards, or maybe they could get a Adam Adovino or a, a Bertans. Well, I, maybe a Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal. We know Carlos Correa is going to stay in Houston. Andrew Miller can make a return. Nelson Cruz. I mean, like, Trevor Story hasn't gotten signed. Uh, I don't think Ian Desmond – I think Ian Desmond's retired. Kyle Seeger, Kellen Jansen. Like, there's some there's some brothers that we can we – can, some people we can – I know we're not going to get Freddie Freeman. That, that ain't no way. Um, Clayton Kershaw, that, that's definitely no way. Um, I'm, just looking, I'm looking at a guy maybe like an Andrew, like an Andrew McCutcheon maybe can help boost that outfield out. But I know they got Austin Hayes, Santander, Cedric Mullins. I, I get it. Um, they like a Danny Duffy could be a good little placeholder. Um, Drew, Drew Smiley is another one. Brad Hand. You know, just, just, just some consistency to help the young guys out. Um, but as far as, um, as free agency goes, uh, Rafael Iglesias – uh, stayed with the Anaheim Angels. He signed a four-year deal. Uh, congratulations. Um, so the way it's looking, uh, there has been no deal, no agreement uh, about the about the lockout. It seems like as of right now, um, it's 1.30 a.m., December 1st, um, tonight at 11.59, the CBA will, will expire, and there will be a lockout, and it's looking like there's negotiation, and the way it's looking, it just, there's going to be an impending lockout. Um, Where's the lockout, you may ask? It's pretty much where uh, the owners or the players can stop, um, you know, like we refuse to work or um, pretty much free agency is frozen. When you got guys like Trevor Story, uh, Cullen Jansen, they can't sign anywhere. Um, the Rule 5 draft, the winter meetings, um and particularly if the way if if this is where it's going to go, because I know like arbitration starts in January, 
and that could be pushed back. And the spring training schedule, that could also be affected too. And we're also could potentially talking about rescheduling game, regular season games. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a problem. But uh, and I, I feel like basically until further notice, both we're not you're not seeing any baseball, football, basketball. That's where the lockout is. But my fear is you're gonna see the same thing with the NBA in about in, in three years because their CBA is going to expire too. Because these owners, if 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 y'all ain't paying attention, y'all better be paying attention now with baseball with these owners. Watch it with the NBA because I, I I've noticed last year, last couple years. When that CBA expires for the NBA, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but these owners, some of these own these owners, they it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But let me transition into the NCAA. I want to talk about Maryland football. Um, so Maryland, we lost Terrence Lewis. He was the top one of the top three recruits from this year's uh, recruiting class. He decided to enter the transfer portal, uh, which it which bothers me uh, because uh, also to Dewan McDougal also entered the transfer portal too. Uh, I don't like the transfer portal because it it tells me a couple things that these guys want. I, I think it's being overly used. I, I think it's being used when you're not when you're when, when you're on a team and you're not winning or you're not getting enough playing time. And I feel like some of these guys have this mentality, I have to win. I need to be on a team that's going to get the most of my ability. And sometimes you could be the number one high school player in the state, but you're competing. That's that's that doesn't matter if it's football. You, you could be the number one player in the state. For example, you, if I was the number one player in Maryland, and I got accepted to go to Baylor. I got to go with, I got to go against six other top recruits. So I, I think when, when we, we use that transfer portal, think about it. Are you doing it for the good or for yourself? Or, or are you thinking about, oh, I need to be on, on a team that can you really use my talents? Cause I feel like he fit very well. So I think that, that, that hurts a little bit, but it's okay. Um, Still have not heard about whether or not we're going to get a bowl game. Um, but that that kind of did suck. That definitely does hurt. Lose two of our really two um, recruitments. That that really that really hurt. Um, I know Perry Boone also Penny Boone also two transferred as well. So um I don't know what it is. I, I really wish sometimes they would like just say, "Hey, you know what? It just, it just didn't work." So, but Coach Coach Lock, Lockley, um, Locksley is a good little. He's a good recruiter. I think he's more of a recruiter than a coach, in my personal opinion. Um, he's build, he's building. He's really trying to build something special with this football team in Maryland. Um, just you know, I just. I can't say enough of the job that he's done with the, the, the culture and what he's done in these last four years, five years, I should say, what um, really the, the program has been through. Um, 
you know, I, I'm sure he'll get I'm sure he'll get some recruits here for sure. Um, Lincoln Riley uh, now is the head coach at University of Southern Cal California. Um, after the loss to Oklahoma State, he took the job at USC. Um, I have an issue with that because I don't like the fact that you've got guys that you recruited to come to that you recruited to go to Oklahoma. I wish I had Anthony Handy on here, but Anthony Handy knows would know more about this than I do. And that's fine. Um hold on. Um, Malachi Nelson, who was a five-star recruit, two days ago, just committed to Oklahoma. Two days later, verbally says, I'm going to go to U U U USC. I don't like that. You see, you ask me to come to a school like Oklahoma, LSU, these big-time schools, and you just leave, and then you expect me to just follow you? Like Spencer Ratliff also got in the transfer portal. That's not cool. Like now I gotta now I gotta sit here and ponder, well, do I really wanna play? Do I, do I want to sit? Not now. He 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 got me here. He he wanted me to come to his school. He sold me on this. We're going to win national championships. We're going to make. We're going to be the best program in the nation. And then after we lose to Oklahoma State, next no one, y'all. I'm going to university. I'm going to Southern California because now now they got to look. Now the a the athletic director is in full. I gotta go out here and look for his replacement like today. And I, I just think that you're doing these, you're doing these kids, honestly, in my personal opinion, you're doing them a disservice because I apologize. Because you're setting these kids up to fail. Not fail, but you're setting them up where. You're, you're, you're selling them like you're, you're giving your advertising. Come to my school, but when you I, I got this job like Brian Kelly did, who didn't even tell his guys face to face. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you this in person, but I got the job at LSU. I wish you nothing but the best. I'm out. Like you don't even have you don't have the you, like you can't tell me as, as as a man, as a young man, you can't man to man. You can't tell me. Well, I, I I took this job and I'm moving on. Like, I, I think it shows that these coaches, as at the end of the day, they don't care about loyalty. They care about the money. And personally, that's why I think these guys, like a Caleb Williams, Spencer Ratliffs, they need to consider other schools because, okay, Spencer Ratliff goes to Oklahoma, goes to USC. Or uh, Spencer 
Spencer Nelson, uh, Malachi, Malachi Nelson goes, or uh, you'll see, what if they don't pan out? What if they go, eh, I didn't expect that. Well, I know um, Relique Brown, he's a four-star recruit. Um, I forgot where he's, I think he's in Southern California. Lincoln Riley's trying to recruit him to go. Like, I, I, I think that at, at least, <sighs> I don't like that. I don't like that. And you, you can sit there and, you know, it, it, to me, it's just, it really just shows me with Brian Kelly, because Brian Kelly signed a 10-year deal with LSU. That's like, and also he's got like a 1.2 million loan on, uh, like on a, on a, on a residence. But it's just shown me that These, this, this, that this is just a business in college football. It's just a big business. And NCAA doesn't seem to care. Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, they don't care. How could you how, how could you sit there after you win 11 games with Brian Kelly? You win 11 games, you have a chance to make the playoffs, and and you just jump ship, and you don't even have the you don't you don't have the the you have the the unmitigated, the un, the unmitigated goal to not even face those kids and the young men in the face and say I took a new job and I'm leaving. That they had to find that shit out through a text message. Are you serious? Like you couldn't say that to my face. That that says that that says a lot about you as. Not only as a coach, but as a man, and, and, and I don't, I don't have any hate for Brian Kelly. I don't want any Brian Kelly haters coming at me. I'm just saying that, like, if this is the, if, like, if this is what it's going to be like, as if I'm a recruit, if I'm, if I'm trying to, if you're trying to recruit me coming to your school, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, well, how do I know you're not going to, after two, three years, take another job and just say, not tell me to my face, oh, I'm leaving. Because Unfortunately, I feel I feel for the players at Oklahoma and Notre Dame because now they're sitting here going, now what do I do? Because now also too, check this out, y'all. You're starting to see this. You're starting to see what you're seeing right now in football and basketball. It's a business for these players. I don't have to stay loyal to a team. If this if if the team sucks, I don't want to sit here. What well, what what's funny and and shout and shout and shout out to Jay uh, Bliss where he talked about how the the coaches get upset when players want to set out a bowl game, but here it is you have two coaches that agree that agreed to mega contracts while still coaching their teams respectively, trying to get into a playoff spot and they just and, and, and they just hop, and they just hop shit. Bullshit. What sense does that make? But 
I, I'm just telling you, it, this, this is just showing me it's all it's just it's it's business and the transfer portal is like free agency. Well, it didn't work at this school, so I'm gonna take my talents to another school. Me personally, if Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly, if I was a five-star recruit and they wanted me to be, they tried to recruit me, no thanks. Guaranteed. I would play for a guy like I, I would play for a guy like Deion Sanders, Coach Lockley, Jim Harbaugh. Um, I would play for those guys. Just me. Let me transition. Uh, in the Maryland basketball, men and women, uh, so far so good. Um, my list. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, we the men play Virginia Tech tomorrow. Uh, we're coming off a what I think is a embarrassing loss to Louisville. Um, we were in the Bahamas. Um, we back they're back at College Park. So I hope the vacation was nice, getting some sun and getting you know enjoyed and had a good time. We're five and two. After seven games, ladies and gentlemen, um, we won three, no, sorry, four of those games at home. Um, I know coming against a, against the game, Louisville, we had we we really couldn't we couldn't hit shots. Um, movement, the ball movement was very lackadaisical, um, and I know Mark Turgeon, the coach that he is, uh, will continue to work on that. Um, you know, again, for someone, for, for it, it just comes, it just goes back to players have to take, so have to look themselves in the mirror and figure, you know what, I got to play better. You know, I know Eric Ayala in and in a, in a, I was watching one of the interviews where he was saying it was an up and down season so far, you know, I, they just got to take it one game at a time. Um, that's just what these boys got to do. Now, we've got to play Virginia Tech, Northwestern, on Sunday. Um, we play the Hokies, who are 5-2. and two. We've got a couple things. We've got, for Virginia, they got this shooting guard. I think he's a shooting guard. I think his name is Naheem. Allen, Allen, um, they got a 6'8 senior, a six-foot forward. Um, couple things Maryland's going to have to do in this game. I'd say this is the positive for Maryland. Defense. Actually, if you think about it, For Maryland, for, for for actually, their weakness. I'm sorry, I mean, for Virginia Tech's weakness. I'm sorry, their strength for Virginia Tech is their defense. Mike Young is a good is an actually is a good coach. I'm not going to take that away from. Him. He actually can. He's actually gotten those guys to play defense. Um, I saw a couple games, and they're only allowing like 53 points per game, if I remember that correctly. And they're holding their points under 40 percent shooting. Um, and I think they forced teams to turn the ball over 15 times. I think it was 14 or 15 times per game. And 
Maryland offensively, the last few games we've looked off, that that could be an issue. Now, um, I looked at Virginia Tech's roster, and they don't have really anybody that really sweeps you off your feet. Um, their top two scorers average 13 points, respectively. Um, I know one I, 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 just for just for the record, it was like 13.1. I think it was like 12.6. But I just I round it up to I, I think it's around it averages up 13 points. Um, I, I really think coming in this game, I think Maryland's going to have a balance. I think they're going to I think they're going to look better, particularly coming off the bench. Um, you know, the one thing against the, the against Louisville <clears throat> was the bench was nowhere to be found. Julian Reese, Ian Martinez, Xavier Green, they played, they got minutes, but between all three, they had 12 points. With oh, children. my God. Um, so I definitely do expect them to, I, I expect them to pick it up. Now, as far as the rebounding, Maryland, we were out rebounding. It was like 51 to 25. If I remember that correctly against the Cardinals. Um, again, I'm, I'm looking at Julian Reese, uh, Dante Scott, uh, uh, Wahab. I can't think of his first name. It looks like the top of my head. Like even even Eric Island, because he, he gets he gets some rebounds in there too. Um, they got to be better at rebounding the ball. And then also too, you know, Maryland's just got to play Maryland basketball. I, I really believe that. And Maryland basketball does those things. I think we'll. I think that the the Terps fellas, I think will be okay. But I think that the Maryland Terpins will beat the Hokies. I'm looking along the lines of 75-61. Guaranteed. Now the women, uh, the Lady Terps, we play the University of Miami. Um, Friday, uh, we will try to bounce back after losing uh, cold-heartedly to Stanford, 86-68. Uh, Miami is coming off a win against Indiana. The final score, I think, was like 53-51. Um, Kelsey, I think, and Kelsey Marshall. I was going to say Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey Marshall, I think, has been actually pretty. She actually thinks she led. She had twenty points in that game. I caught her on. I caught her on my phone. I, uh, that game, but um, the Lady Turks coming in this game. I think we're shooting seventy-eight percent from three. Okay, Ashley Wansu. Um, I think he's, he's our best free throw shooter. Uh, Maryland's averaging like 85 points a game. Um, Miami's only averaging 51. If I saw the stats correctly. Um, Maryland, fun fact, I think we're 8-0 when we score at least 51 points. Uh, Kelsey Marshall, I looked at the, the stats. She leads the, she leads those team that, that, she leads those girls for Miami in scoring. Uh, she averages like 13 points a game on my notes here. And then you have somebody behind her named Makila Gray. 
uh, with two assists, and she's averaging seven points. Also, my notes here, you got someone named Lola Pende. She's leading with five rebounds and eight points a game. Um, hopefully, we got the we got some of the girls back. Um, it's been hard, you know. Like we didn't, ha- we were really short-handed against Stanford, but I didn't think it would look that bad. So, I mean, I think it's kind of hard to judge this Maryland team, and they don't have their full. They're not at their full their full peak, if that makes sense. Um, but I think that the Lady Terps will bounce back. Uh, the final score, 91-50. Guaranteed! So, with that being said, I'm going to transition into the women's college basketball, my list. I have revealed my top 25. Um, it may be controversial. Uh, shout out to, uh, Mermet, uh, aka uh, Shawnee, and the commit uh, the committee, uh, following them here uh, the the underscore committee one and natural wonder, uh, great space we were talking about it earlier this evening off the list. This was my top twenty five. I'll show you what the committees were. Um, I know what you're thinking, like, wow, Nathan, you really have Maryland bias. I don't think it was fair to judge Maryland off two games, off those last two games, because they didn't have a full healthy squad. Okay. Um, yeah, I was respectful. I gave the South Carolina Gamecocks and Don Stanley the number one spot. Okay. Um, UConn is not even in the top six, top five. Um, really quick, I will, congratulations to Paige Becker. She got an endorsement deal with Gatorade. When is Aaliyah Boston going to get her get, get get her endorsement? Like, it, it, it's just it's just amazing to me that here's somebody that I believe is going to be a first round pick, maybe the number one overall pick in my opinion. But the way it's looking, they're going to make Paige Beckers the number one overall pick. I, I, I believe the media dictates, controls, and spins a narrative. I think they push players who they want to push. And obviously because you got ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, they're going to push UConn. I, I just think is if, if you give Aaliyah Boston the same media publicity, Kelsey Plum's another example, Asia Wilson, uh, uh, Arika Gubawale, I mean, you give some of these, these girls who – we're not if better. No disrespect to Paige Beckers. The same media publicity, I guarantee you, they would have endorsements just like Paige Beckers. But I just, again, it goes back to the media. I blame the media. And I gotta blame us too as a society because we go, oh man, like Stan, she can play. And we don't look at, man, Leah Boston, she made, I think she made like 14 shots. She didn't miss a shot last night. In that game, where, where where's where's her endorsement deal? When is she gonna get an endorsement deal like that? Um, I think seven through ten you could flip. Um, then you had Michigan, South Florida, Texas, Iowa State at Notre Dame in the top fifteen. Uh, Kentucky, Texas A and M, Oregon, Georgia State, Florida State, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, BYU, Ohio State, Oregon State, 
and I had uh, West Virginia finishing off the list. Now, this was the committee's uh, top 25 list. Um, after much deliberation, um, this was their list. Uh, other considerations, Missouri State, Georgia Tech, West Virginia, UCLA, Florida State, and Colorado. Um, yeah, Mississippi, Missouri, uh, Mississippi State, Florida, Colorado, and Georgia Tech did not, um, they were honorable mentions. But their top 25 was South Carolina, North Carolina State, UConn, Indiana, Stanford, Arizona, Tennessee, Maryland. I think that's kind of weird to see how you had UConn in the top three, but that's that's okay. Um, Maryland, I think I don't know where why we had Maryland drop so low after two games. They didn't have a full healthy squad, but I, I get it. Um, but. Uh, That was their list. Um, I'm also going to show really quick the AP's um, list as well. So we got South Carolina at number one, NC State. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, this is the NCAAs. Oh, it's the same list. Okay. Um, wow. Maryland was number two, so they went down six spots. Baylor was number five. Y'all let me know what y'all think on that list. I, I think that's a bit... Uh, That's a bit that's a bit um interesting. But that was my list. Um I think all the teams are playing great. It's a V1. The list, like I said, my list seven through ten. You Tennessee, Arizona, Louisville, Baylor. It's all subjective. Um I could have put I could have put um number twenty the number twenty-five was tough, but um it's, I thought it was pretty good. So um, let's transition in the Towson basketball. Uh, the men uh, play, excuse me, they play uh, LIU, uh, Long Island University. Uh, they're coming off a win, the Towson Tigers, against New Mexico, 73-58. Uh, the women they play the East Carolina. Uh, we got a big win over Delaware, the Delaware State University Hornets. A uh, good win, final score 76 47. Uh, our leading score was Zoe Holmes in that game. She had 13 behind her, was Sandy Oliver Sanchez. Uh, great win, great win. The Lady Tigers go on to six and one on the year, won a three game win streak. Ironically, we are a good home team, and our next game we play Saturday, East Carolina. 
Uh, the men are four and three. Uh, after Long Island University, we go to Kent State on the sixth. So congratulations to uh, best of luck to the men as you whip the Long Island University uh, Dolphins, I think. No, Sharks, excuse me. Uh, it's also to first responder night at the CQ Arena. And then we got the the Air East Carolina Pirates. Um, I think the Lady Terps will win that game 80-56. I think the men will beat Long Island University by 15 80 65. We're going to transition into the WNBA. Um, congratulations to Nafisa Collier and her fiance, Alex Brazil. Brazil, Brazil, who's a uh, trainer, NBA trainer. Uh, they're expecting their first child. It's a girl. Congratulations. Um, there was it was kind of conflicting. They said she had missed a whole year, but I think she's just going to miss, I think the first latter part of the season. She's due in May, for what I understand. So, um, she didn't say whether or not she will play this upcoming season, but um, she didn't specify that. So, congratulations. Uh, we cannot wait to see your daughter in 2024. <laughs> and shout out to Nafisa Collier and Asia Wilson on the AM, uh, the Fee and T podcast. That's my favorite podcast. Let's do on Spotify. Uh, congratulations to the both of y'all. Um, Candace Parker had some things to say. Um, yes, that's really the only thing that happened around the WNBA. Um, that was kind of the news. Um, Candace Parker has some things to say about Coach Gino and uh, Team USA. Um, let's listen, shall we? Because shout out to Taylor Rooks, Black Girl Magic. Uh, this is a five-minute clip. Um, I will let the video do its talking. Um. I'm happy for them. I, when Chelsea is, and especially Nafisa Collier are my two that I'm, I'm really close with. You know, I don't have one. And I think it goes from the fact that I think that when you evolve with time, that's when you're at your best. And I don't know if USA Basketball has continually evolved with time. Um, and then also, I also believe that there are so many times where just tell me. And then I won't waste my time. Like if that was the stipulations. And so I think it was very interesting for me personally to have a situation where I went to a camp. I got a triple double at the camp was I think first or second in scoring. Like it wasn't on the court. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's me as an individual, as a person, I'm spending time away from my daughter to come and do these camps that I'm not even being judged off of how I'm playing. What do you think you were judged off of? Uh, 
don't think I personally fit. I don't think Gina wanted me on the team. So I think it's one of those things where it's like, cool, like, just tell me. And then don't, you know, beat around the bush, like, just tell people. And so I think now we're reaching a point where players are becoming more empowered. And I've said this about the NBA for a very, very, very long time. They started becoming, and I know the NBA has been a process, but when the way that they empower their players, where they have a voice, they have a say, they talk to them, they're honest with things. Mm -hmm. Like the way in which they handle NBA basketball, USA basketball, like there's some people it didn't matter. They were untouchable. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And so I think that based off of like i knew as soon as he was named the coach again uh, i was like oh well so why <laughs> this is gonna be interesting why do you think that is why do you think he did not want candace parker on the team i mean we he doesn't like me i don't like i mean we don't like each other but i think i am of the mindset and this is where i think sometimes i get misunderstood a little bit i'm of the mindset that like i don't have to like you to play with you i don't have mm -hmm. to like you to work with you you know? Yeah. And it's fine. Like, it's cool. They they made their decision. Um, I laugh and joke that my kids will never play USA basketball or <laughs> USA sports at all. But listen, it's a thing of the past. But I'm one of those people that's like, I get more angry at the people I love getting hurt. And what they did in NECA was unbelievable. Yeah. She you know? deserved. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm more angry at that. If you missed it, I did a video on that uh, back. Ooh. A couple, a few months ago, that video got like 400 something views. Um, yeah, it, I agree. The way they did her was dirty. She should have been on the team. I don't care what anyone had to say. Um, I think she hits a point. I think he wants a specific. He wants his his group of players that he feels comfortable with that he knows, and he's going to pick. Um, Candace Parker should have been on this team. She should have, and, and I just don't understand. And I, I kind of want to, I, I kind of have a question for Don Stanley. Why did you not speak up and say, no, I want NECA, NECA, I want NECA, or I want, and I want Candace Parker? You had somebody on the team that had their chest cracked in half on the team. Like you have two players that, future Hall of Famers who have been on this team five years consecutively together. I think they've been on the team the longest together. Like, when do you give others a chance? Like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. Because you have somebody that arguably, maybe 2016, but definitely, she's the only MVP of the league. Mm -hmm. You know Trust what I mean? Us. She went and got, I think, MVP of the World Games, and then you leave her off the team? Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's, you know, certain grace for certain people and there's certain things that aren't, that you don't get grace. Yeah, there's no consistency. And listen, respect to Connecticut. Connecticut continues to crank out player of the year after player of the year, right? Um, at the same time, though, like, when I was there, my four years at Tennessee, they didn't win no national championships. So <laughs> talk it, talk and it, they, <laughs> they never beat us, but yeah. I don't know. Like that might be a soft spot. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, because she, yeah, because there, we couldn't get there. Listen, she's not. I can only hold on to when we were there. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But listen, like totally. I just said, cause they called back in 2000 to go for 2020. And I was like, no, like I'm not. Yeah. It's like, yeah, doing this. did what you did. It's yeah. like, I just can't. I can't teach my daughter lessons and tell her about 
you know, respect and treatment and communication and all this stuff and then go back to that. So I just, I'm done. I'm happy. I got two gold medals. I appreciate the experience. Um, and I wish them well, honestly. Like, I'm so proud of Chelsea and Nafisa and, you know, obviously Sue and Diana, what they did in terms of going to five Olympics and winning five medals. Like, that's super special. And I think it's valuable. Um, and it's important for USA to stay on top. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You said something interesting, which is that it hasn't evolved over time. Can you just more so elaborate on that? What you want you to know, see? You know, I it? think in terms of just player and women empowerment, um, you know, there were so many times where, and I get it, there, you know, we play year round. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's so many times we're now looking back, especially after being cut, that they have this expectation that you just drop everything and just come and play in your one break. And I think the evolution over time needs to like be more about the player and the health, yeah. you know? And I think the way in which they do the men's like Kobe and LeBron and D Wade didn't show up to all the little mini camps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So That's listen, true. I did. take that as like, we got to make a whole lot more money to have power. And so that is my whole thing in terms of leaving the game. And I think we're doing that, especially with NIL, with what the NCAA, we're going to have players that are now coming in with checks mm -hmm. that don't have to do that. Like, yeah. I don't, I can make a choice not to do that. Yeah. And so I think with that is going to come more power and similar to the, the men's, like you had a certain expectation where it was like, nah, not doing that, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it was for a long time, it's like women dreamed of playing in the Olympics and they would do anything at any cost. So they almost own, not owned you, but like, but it was they, like, you, they, they were pulling the, the strings. Yes. Yeah. And now mm -hmm. I think it's going to become, at least I hope as an evolution that it's going to be become more of a players thing where totally. it's going to be more player empowerment yeah well i think she spit i think she hit it on the head um she's not wrong in what she said uh, let me be the first to to say that um i think a lot of this is i don't want to say resentment i think it's bitterness uh because in the time when she was coached by the late great pat summit uh, may she rest in peace um, they didn't win. Uh, Candace Parker has two medals, and I don't think it's fair to hold that against her. I, I really feel like there's some resentment that they, when he, Gino did not win a national title when Candace was at ten, at Tennessee, I really feel like there's some bitterness, bitterness there. But also, to 2008 and to 2012. Jalen and Jalen coached them teams. So Candace Parker has won, has shown it. They, 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 they didn't need him to coach Team USA. But I think a lot of it is resentment. And I think a lot of it's politics. And I think, you know, it's it, it, she said it, it's gonna have, it's gonna start with the women. It starts with the women. They're gonna have to speak up. You know, it, it become more involved in using their voice and saying, hey, like that's not right. Like no disrespect, but a lot of those girls could have said, no, NECA needs to be on this team. But personally, I, if I'm Candace, I, I'm the same way too. Like if Greg Popovich, for example, because I, I, Greg Popovich is a coach I would love to play for. If if I didn't make the Team USA roster, because if I beat his Spurs and the Western Conference, if I, got, if I beat him in, in the finals three times, he didn't pick me, I think either that's almost like okay you have some like vendetta against me or like i don't want him on the team 
like when Isaiah Thomas, like he should have made the 1992 dream team, in my personal opinion. But again, I think when you have players like Scottie Pippen, I think who was the main voice, Michael Jordan saying, I don't want to play with him. I don't want him on the team. Carl Malone, others saying, I don't want to play with that guy. I think a lot of that, and I, and I don't and I don't want to take say anything like, oh, the girls didn't look, those girls from last year didn't want her on the team. But I just think that they could have spoken up and said, yo, man, no disrespect to Diane, Diana, but we NECA needs to be on this team. NECA has done a lot for the league. She she's the voice for the hunt for, for us 144 women. She needs to be on this team. She's an MVP. She's a champion. She's a Hall of Famer. Like, I don't understand what it's going to take, but I I feel bad. She she made it kind of the way she kind of said it. She doesn't want to say it. And 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 coach, you know, you know, Gino is going to re- deny it and go. I, I I respect Candace Parker. I don't resent her. You know, it's I don't know where that came from because those that's that's what they like to do when you when, when those kind of questions are asked. Well, you know, coach uh, Candace Parker in a recent interview with Taylor Rooks said that. Um, you have resentment towards towards her. How do you respond to that? Candace Parker is a great player. I have no resentment. That's how it's going to come. That's what he's going to do. He's going to flip the narrative. Um, but let me go ahead and play. I uh, owe you a couple clips. Uh, for this is from last week for Maryland after our glorious win over the University of Rutgers. I couldn't play it because technology, my internet had went out. Um, on my laptop. So let me go ahead and play uh, these these three clips for y'all, and we out of here. Hold on. There we go. All year long, all since January a year ago, we talked about taking the next step as a program, man, and that's what we did today. Today was the finish, all right? Today we had butted the finish line like we preached during turf time. Every single drill was about the finish. And the day you guys finished, man, you guys came up here and took victory, all right? Now, this is the end of the 21 season today, all right? We finished 500. We made ourselves bowl eligible. The start of the 22 season is you seniors now have to give it back to these young guys by getting us a winning season, all right? So we did this for you 25 seniors. Now we need you to lead us through these bowl practices. The young guys, we got to develop and get better. And I want to go finish the thing off the right way. We we earned the right for the seventh victory. Now we're going to have to work to go get it while developing this team. I am so proud of you guys, man. I can't tell you how, how proud I am, especially for those 25 guys that have endured quite a bit. But when we faced adversity, we kept fighting. And that's what we do. That's what Terps do. Now let's sing this damn song, man. One, two, one, two, three, four. Maryland, I'm high you. Raise high the black and gold. There's nothing that's so glorious. And to see our team victorious. We got to see more. We got to see more. Keep fighting. Don't give it
Next clip. I don't know why I did that. I apologize. We're not perfect, but we're fighting to get there, right? We got a bunch of guys who fight, and, uh, and and we're on our way to getting there. The good news is, on the way there, we're winning, right? We're winning. So I don't know exactly what that was. I don't know how to describe it exactly. It really doesn't matter. But we all know what it was, was, right? It was a W, right? It was a W, man. And it's a big W in this division right now. We all can do the math, right? Okay, it was a huge W in this division. So that was a big game. So, you know, it was it was it was a fight, it was a slog, it was a grind. Marshall Yan, who talked to us, used to always say, embrace the grind. All right, you should say, do your job and embrace the grind. That was a game that you embraced. All right. All the things that didn't go our way, all the bad plays we had, we embraced everything. We embraced the good and the bad. We you you came over and you said, I'm sorry about that, right? All right, then you came out and you played. I mean, you just keep playing. You embrace the ground. Defense stepped up, right? Okay, and I'm sure you played a great game besides that. We had some turnovers, okay? You come back out, and you make the next drive, and you go score points. Defense came out and got stopped. Defense, by the way, you played fabulously. Did you agree? Oh, yeah. That's what it's going to take, man. I mean, every day, one day, one week it's going to be the defense. Another week it's going to be the offense. Another week it's going to be the special teams. When it's going to be two, there's going to be those weeks where it's going to be all three clicking and all cylinders. And that's what we'll just keep chasing. Everybody agree? It's the first game ball, and it could go to a lot of guys on defense. I'm sure there'll be more. But how about the guy rushing the quarterback, playing the edge, made the game-winning tackle at the end of the game. Highest foul. We know what he does for us, but he's made so many plays in the last couple weeks that you kind of forget about. But without those plays, we wouldn't have won. And he did it again today. Mark Andrews. Yeah. episode episode 19 of the podcast um if you're not already um be sure to give the video a thumbs up consider hitting that subscribe button now let me know y'all thoughts on the topics i touched on today um like i said uh you'll see episode 20 go up thursday evening most likely friday ish like i said season five season five will season four will end on uh december 5th um and this Season five will debut 
that Monday, that Tuesday. So um, until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Have a good night. Stay up. I'm going to get some sleep. Um, again, like, comment, subscribe, share the podcast. Uh, thank you for those that were here that joined me this evening. I will see y'all in the next episode. Stay up. First of all, listen, uh, it's interesting about all these young guys today. They never call on us and say, hey, thanks for the kind word and telling me how great a player I am. But when they play like crap and we call them out, they, we don't know what we're talking about. Listen, I'm easy to find. But listen, I'm going to criticize guys that they deserve it. And listen, they can kiss my ass if they don't like it.